The next generation of banker, I think he or she will be curious, reflected, compassionate. He or she will take a strong interest in social, political, and environmental topics. Welcome to the Next Gen Banker podcast, where we explore what's next in banking and talk with the innovators responsible for creating positive change in the financial sector. I'm your host, David Ryling, and I am very excited to welcome Martin Rohner today. Martin, thank you for being with me on the Next Gen Banker podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks, David, for inviting me. So, Martin, before we get started, I just throw out a little reminder to our audience to stick around to the end of the episode because each Next Gen Banker episode showcase one artist from somewhere around the globe. Uh, always a good surprise uh, with a wide range of genres of music. So be sure to check that out. And now, Martin, I'll just give a little of your background so people have a context of uh, who you are and where you're coming from. So, Martin, you have over 30 years of experience both in Europe and the United States. Uh, you're currently the executive director of the Global Alliance for Banking on Values. Um, before joining the GABV, you were the CEO of Alternative Bank Schweiz. So, a lot going on in your world uh, and a global one that it is. And so, Martin, as we uh, speak today, now we've known each other for several years uh, as CEOs of, of GABV member banks, of values-based banks, uh, but now we work together in your role as the executive director of the GABV and mine as the, the board chair of that organization. So first of all, it's, it's great working with you, but the one question I don't know that I'd love to hear you talk about is, what was your path uh, that drove you? What was your passion to get to values-based banking? Uh, well, thanks, David. Uh, that's a good question. I sometimes also ask myself that question. As a matter of fact, becoming a banker never really was my career plan. Um, I always wanted to work in the real economy. Uh, and my first job coming out of business school was actually in the airline industry. So a really unsustainable industry, as a matter of fact. Um, but I um, had a really exciting project at the time, which was starting a joint venture project in Eastern Europe. You have to imagine this was just at, in the early 90s, uh, right after the uh, Iron Wall came down, the Iron Curtain came down. So all of Eastern Europe was in a transition. and. Um, for me, that was a really exciting opportunity to um, get to know a totally different world, to see the challenges that those countries were going through. And one thing I also realized was that much of the business was really about making money. And that was maybe not really what I was looking for. It didn't seem really that fulfilling. So after uh, doing that for about three years, I decided to go back to school and uh, get my master's in environment and development. Um, that was uh, just around the time the first Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro um, was held and uh, the, the term sustainable development had just been coined a few years before that. Uh, for the first time, people were talking about the nexus between business and the environment. Uh, environment. So it all seemed really exciting, and uh, that's what kind of uh, attracted me. And um, when I left school for the second time, I actually then went into development finance, working with uh, the multilateral development banks, um, uh, as well as with the Swiss uh, government for uh, quite some time, uh, and later joined the fair trade movement, where, again, um, I, I 
gained a, a very important experience, which is actually how to build um, the market and the brand for a sustainable product. So this is a bit of a, a, a roundabout way to explain my way to, to banking. In 2012, Alternative Bank Schweiz was looking for a new chief executive, and they seem not to have been in much luck with the previous bankers they hired. So they decided to hire a non-banker, and they took me. That was uh, really great, and I really enjoyed my eight and a half years with them. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, what a great journey of experiences. And so now, as your role as the executive director of the Global Alliance for Banking on Values, now for our audience, some basic questions. What is the GABV and, and what does it do? So we're a, a movement of, in the meantime, um, almost 70 banks worldwide. And I'm talking really worldwide. This is from Canada all the way to Australia, from Bolivia all the way to Mongolia. So a really high diversity of banks, uh, small banks that might just have maybe around 50 million U.S. dollars in assets to mid-sized banks with maybe about 40 billion U.S. dollars in assets, very different credit models, uh, very different uh, business models. Um, so these might be credit unions, they might be cooperative banks, retail banks, uh, or even microfinance banks. But what kind of holds them all together is the fact that mission is at the core. So um, uh, they focus on social and environmental impact um, in their business model. They're really grounded in the real economy. Um, they um, understand their communities better than the mainstream banks um, because they're so close to the clients they serve. And therefore, they also understand the risks involved in their business models better. Uh, they're highly transparent um, and also in terms of their governance, but also uh, their accountability. So, uh, and all this, it's um, it's not just kind of an, an add-on that is delegated to a CSR department, but it's really part and parcel of the culture and the um, strategy of the organization. And I think that's what sets our member banks apart uh, from, from kind of the, the more mainstream conventional way of doing banking. And um, what we do is really bring these banks together. Um, we offer the opportunity um, to share knowledge, to uh, share experiences. Uh, we create the CEO level network um, um, where we often quite personal relationships developed out of these um, out, of, out of this networks, uh, which then leads to maybe further reaching collaboration. Uh, I've seen everything. I mean, I've seen um, banks that are um, engaging together in co-financing and loan syndication. Uh, some banks might have taken shareholdings from other banks in our membership, all the way to mergers that have happened because these relationships were built. Now, um, more recently, as uh, sustainable finance has become a bit of the talk of the town, also in the mainstream banking sector, the Global Alliance is being increasingly solicited as a, um, uh, as a speaker or also contributor to, to the dialogue around sustainable finance. Because in a way, because we're values-based, we, we share the traits of a um, almost like an advocacy organization, but at the same time, we're actually um, building on uh, tried and tested um, policies and practices of our member banks. So I think what we have to say is really relevant in that context. Yeah, and I can uh, speak from firsthand experience, as you can, that when 
what we call when CEOs are knee to knee um, and they're having these conversations at that level, whether they're from you know, uh, South America and Europe or from North America and Asia, the uh, there are similarities in terms of some of the problems and the issues. Um, but the fact is the, the business models range greatly, but it's so interesting how it can become so personal and effective so quickly because it, it generally is the same industry, but it's rare that you run into someone with the same values alignment. So you really start to speak that same language. Now, you and I know have had this uh, topic and you've touched on this before, and but I really want to highlight it for our audience from the standpoint of, you know, what is the difference between a values-based bank and a GABV member, let's say, and a traditional bank? Uh, you you touched on some of those uh, similarities, but um, one thing that keeps coming back, and maybe you can comment on this, is, is the intentionality around it, that it's part of the business model. And maybe you could give a few examples of GABV member banks that uh, how they express their both their maybe social and or environmental uh, values. Yeah, exactly. Um, and maybe it's also important to stress at this point that every bank actually is values-based but it matters maybe what kind of values are driving it. Is it profit or is is it uh, maybe more about social or environmental impact and sustainability? And I think that's where the members of the Global Alliance for Banking and Values really come from. Um, So I think, like I said, the the banks come in different shapes and sizes. Um, Just recently, um, I ran into um, one of our CEOs um, uh, who is running very successfully Srebank, a bank in Serbia, which, by the way, in the meantime, is majority owned by three other GABV members, which I think is in itself a wonderful story. Um, but Three Bank is um, uh, really playing an exceptional role in Serbia because it's almost the only bank nowadays that is serving the, um, the small-scale rural market in Serbia. So you have to imagine um, in Serbia there are still um, people who are um, having challenges getting access to finance. Um, it's uh, still a relatively poor country um, in, in certain parts of the, um, of the, of the country. And uh, Vladimir Vukotic, uh, the CEO, just told me about this great uh, product that he launched, which is called My First Loan. And it's targeted at refugees or at uh, people working in the gig economy that can um, you know, barely survive in a very harsh economic environment. And he's managed to uh, fully digitize this product based on his knowledge of how these people, um, you know, what what their uh, personal circumstances, their social circumstances are. Um, He doesn't need any, um, any securities or anything like that. And it turns out it's extremely successful um, and really having an immense social impact because people no longer have to go to loan sharks where not only uh, might they pay um, an arm and a leg in terms of interest rates, uh, but more importantly, if they're not able to to pay back, um, they might be subject to serious aggression. So I think these are the kind of examples 
um, that really make a difference. And what I found so um, exciting about this, uh, this story, Vladimir shared this with a group of other European CEOs that are operating in Western Europe. And they realized, well, actually, this product, now that we're having this influx of refugees coming to Western Europe because of the Ukraine war, um, but also because of the um, economic situations, the challenges that are um, happening that we're facing in, in Europe more generally, uh, this product actually has relevance also in, in other places in Europe and might be replicated. So I think these are the kind of success stories, I think, that really make a difference in our movement. So that that's fantastic. Obviously, that that social impact for particularly refugees is so vulnerable um, in that time of their life. Um, maybe let's switch it a little bit. Is there an example that comes to mind relative to uh, an environmental focus, uh, um, GABV member bank? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, um, when you look at how typically sustainable finance works is that um, you have to be clear what you want to support and, and finance or invest in, but you also have to be very clear what you don't want to invest in. And I can say that many of our members have the strictest exclusion criteria and they're very strict in um, you know, what kind of projects they would actually finance. So it starts with that. Um, more recently, um, there's been a lot of momentum, not just in the Global Alliance, but more generally in the financial industry around climate finance and the impact of the financial industry um, on the climate. Uh, as a first step, um, banks are um, analyzing their portfolios, their investment portfolios, their loans, to see what actually is the carbon footprint, the greenhouse gas emissions of not just the carbon footprint, but more generally the greenhouse gas emissions of the portfolio. And then in the next step, well, how can they reduce that? And what um, I find, again, telling, well, many of the mainstream banks have committed um, to reduce or to achieve um, a net zero footprint by 2050. Uh, several of our members have set targets as ambitious as 2035 or 2040 to achieve that. For example, um, Van City um, in Vancouver, uh, they want to achieve that by 2040. Um, they um, are still struggling in, like all the banks, how to achieve this. But I think what's great is that um, all our members are really sticking together and um, uh, sharing all their experiences, how they can do it, because they'll have to work very closely with their clients to get that done. Yeah, fantastic. You know, it's one thing that I, I think we're... The GABV members, I, I get so much out of the, the the conversations that we have, is that you learn of all the innovative things that are going on, whether it's social and environmental, and it's inspiring that the leaders of these organizations are really taking positions, like 2035 is not that far away, and so there really has to be things done and executed on today in order to hit those targets in that time frame and it's bold it takes courage and so that i think is some of the i don't know it's the juice it's the mojo that i get from the the standpoint of being in this organization and and uh and seeing the positive change that can actually happen now Martin, you mentioned uh, the GABV as a movement, and so how are you feeling that this this movement is happening? Is it is it growing? Is it staying the same? Is it shrinking? Um, where's the the tr trend or trajectory of of values based banking? 
So our movement started um, now about 13 years ago in 2009 with just uh, nine founding members. And uh, at the time, of course, it was not clear, you know, is it going to make it? Is it going to survive? And uh, right now I'm uh, amazed we're up at 70 member banks. Um, of course, we have quite strict um, criteria to become a member. It's not like open to anyone. You have to be clearly mission driven. Uh, you have to have a certain size. You have to uh, meet certain criteria. And we, we have a scorecard with which we check that. Um, but what I'm always surprised that um, once in a while we, we, we are approached by these really um, uh, fascinating banks that have found their own way of um, changing the world and uh, having an impact. And so we, we keep growing. Um, we, we had a bit of a... Uh, a slowdown during the, the pandemic for understandable reasons, but uh, I'm quite amazed to see how quickly this has picked up since the pandemic, actually, especially also in North America. Um, so um, uh, we're seeing uh, the North American region clearly uh, clearly growing. Um, I think the what what is so great to see is also that we're having um, increasingly also an impact beyond our movement. Um, just to uh, go back to the, the example I made with uh, climate change. So in 2015, uh, this initiative was launched uh, called the Partnership for Carbon Accounting Financials. And that partnership was actually, it, it started outside of the Global Alliance. Um, it was uh, a Dutch bank that initiated it for the Dutch market. But through the Global Alliance and through the members in the Global Alliance, we carried that initiative out to the wider world. Uh, this partnership um, basically is a standardized methodology to assess your greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and based on that, you are then um, able and also required to set clear uh, targets and milestones to reduce your carbon emission in alignment with the Paris Climate um, Agreement. Now, in the meantime, um, over 300 um, uh, institutions uh, um, uh, and some of them major banks like JP Morgan or BlackRock uh, or other financial sector players have signed up. Um, representing um, uh, more than 70 trillion um, in assets. Uh, that's almost one third of the assets under management in the world. So if you think about it, um, uh, a lot of this was also because of the support of the Global Alliance um, carrying this um, initiative out into the wider world, to Asia, uh, to Australia, to North America, even to Latin America and Africa. So uh, I think that's how our movement is having an impact far beyond uh, its own membership. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I can tell you from a bank who uh, we did our first disclosure um, this past quarter in June. Um, and again, for those who maybe uh, PCAF is a new term. Again, it's the Partnership for Carbon Accounting Financials. You can Google it very easily. Uh, I would encourage you if you're a banker that is not participating to really look it up and encourage your organization to do so. Um, you know, 
everything begins with the truth. And so you need to know where your institution is from a carbon footprint in, in greenhouse gas emissions in which to then move forward to improve it. So uh, really put a little emphasis on that because my opinion, the sense of urgency is, uh, is there for our planet. And so we really do need to make some progress quickly. And it's going to take the likes of not just the leaders of financial institutions, it's going to take the likes of everybody inside, as well as the board of directors, but the, the employees within inside these organizations to really push change forward, um, as well as the customers of the institution. So, well, Martin, it certainly has been a pleasure talking with you today, but there is one last question that I have for you um, as uh, we want to transform the banking system. As we look into the future, you know, what do you think the next generation of banker looks like? The next generation of banker, um, um, I think he or she will be curious um, reflected, compassionate. Um, he or she will take a strong interest in social, political, and envir environmental topics, um, strive to apply his or her banking skills to making this world a better place. I think that probably sums it up. And I think uh, all this will require that that banker is guided by very strong and reflected uh, values uh, which you don't just get taught at a school, but you have to learn them through life experience and through thinking about life. Wow, that's so very insightful. Thank you for that. And one to take to heart in terms of what the future of the next-gen banker looks like. Well, Martin, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today and for changing uh, the banking system to serve both the people and the planet. You have some big shoulders and big duties, but uh, we really appreciate all the efforts and thanks for being with us today. Thanks a lot for having me, David. It's been a pleasure. For this episode's musical feature, we're showcasing Emery. Emery is all things organic, alternative, and cinematic from Soundstripe artist Jesse Villa. Here is Golden Age by Emery. Golden Age by Emery. You can find more of Emery's music on Spotify. If you would like your music featured on the Next Gen Banker podcast, just email david at nextgen-banker.com with a link to your music and website. Thanks for listening to the Next Gen Banker podcast. We'll see you next time.